Broadcasting Network. Welcome to Life Lessons with Jim Carolla and Ray Oldhofer. Okay, um, 
Also, as we start the second episode, I also want to give a little um, Zen kind of uh, something we could use for um, being in the moment oh. and relaxation. So um, Ray and, and Gary will join me on podcasters as you sit. Um, in Zen and in Buddhism in general, being in the moment is one of the most important attributes of this earthly journey, is to really be there. So we're going to attempt to see what really being there is. So as, as we, the three of us sit here and you at home, um, the first thing I'd like you to do is um, understand, as they teach, the importance of really being in the moment. There's no place to go, both backward or forward, rehearsing for the futures, the bringing past, uh, past uh, thoughts in, that you're trying very hard to be in this room or the room you're in and, um, and touch what it would be to really touch the moment. And the first thing I would like you to do as you begin to settle down and see and maybe want to try this exercise is to um, contact your breathing. Bring your awareness to your breathing, the in and out of breathing. I want to do a sequence of like uh, a 10 um, using going up to the number 10. So the in-breath is one, the out-breath is two. The in-breath is three. The out-breath is four. The in-breath is five. The out-breath is six. The in-breath is seven. The out-breath is eight. The in-breath is nine. And the out-breath is ten. So that little sequence, and whatever you're doing, driving your car, in front of the dishes, folding the towels, the laundry, that you begin to feel the in and out breath, and you'll feel the relaxation. The next step as you now, we've added the breathing, the awareness of breathing. You monitor what's going on in the mind. So the three of us have put the attention into the mind. As we continue the breathing. So we have an awareness of the breathing and we see what thoughts are coming through. If a thought shows up as some kind of rehearsal for the future or something in the past, a memory, we just let it go and come back to the moment. We're trying 
to have our attention with our breath, the in and the out. Shine the light on the mind. The mind may start quieting down. But if something pops up, you don't identify it, you don't chase it, you don't go after it, just let it go. And you come back to the silence of the now. You'll find yourself relaxing. So now if you're in an activity, let's say you're just cleaning up the dinner dishes or something, like you just have a little delay before you start the process. And then as you work to put the dishes in the dishwasher and so on, clean up around the kitchen, you're in touch with that breathing. And you're attempting to be right in that kitchen and nowhere else. Just to where we're attempting to be in this studio and nowhere else. There's a wonderful sense that our life is in the moment. And all this taking off to all these other dreams are moving away from the real moment of our life. So as I end this sequence, you're in touch with your breathing. The light is still in your mind, on the thoughts of your mind if they have come. You might notice they're slowing down. And you have a peace. A peace. Peaceful. And even in activity, you could have a peace with this being in the now. So enjoy for one moment the peace of it. And realize any time it comes to you to do this. You can get back to this peace. A suggestion they have about this is that you do this little practice a couple of times a day intentionally. Start off easy. And if you're beginning to enjoy the peace that comes from it. And incidentally, you can do this when you're driving. Um, But the main moment is the moment of the road. What's right in that car and what's right in your driving scope. So you're not, um, you could be relaxed, but very attuned to your driving. I did a little one this morning on our, my way in. Um, I did a series on the freeway, but as I was driving, I was making sure getting off at the right exit, 
But that breath kept going until I pulled into the parking lot, which was about a 10-minute sequence. Okay, and with that, we'll end the, the little demonstration. So I would like to ask Ray and Gary, what did it feel like? For me, it felt like I was present, you know, I was here. And, um, you know, some thoughts did come, and then when you would say, you know, put the light on it and don't hold on to them, they dissipated, and it, it truly felt like I was present. Oh, good. Good. Uh, yeah, it just made me... Uh made me kind of focus more it made me very aware of what i'm supposed to be doing back here and mm. kind of made me focusing more on it even though there was less to do since there was less talking so there was less sound but yeah that see that's important that you realize you, that you can do anything with this it's not a matter of you stop doing but you do it in the moment and you can get you can be sharper for them because you're not going you're not going all over the place you're literally right there washing those dishes or whatever it is yeah you don't have a lot of wasted yeah motion I, if you I, looked at one's waste per day you oh. would be able to run uh the city mm right and then like for example I do it with the trumpet not all the time i have a little trouble remembering with the trumpet I get kind of involved with it. But as I begin to get set to play and feel the sense of the trumpet and being in the practice room I'm in, and and since for the trumpet I, it's to do with breathing in and out, um, I try to keep that focus of breathing in and out, but at the same time reading the music. Um, and I, mean, I am sharper with it, as Gary was saying, uh, if I could remember that. So remember, you could almost do anything, but start out small. I really emphasize that. Don't try to do too much at the beginning. Pick the easier things, small times, um, and see the difference if you do activities that you can be a little, as Ray said, present, um, and see what that feels like. And then let me know if you want a little more of this, because I have other things that's done in the, the Buddhist world of mindfulness that I could um, uh, let you know. But this is an important one. This would be the first one to practice this. Hey, everybody. So, listen, we all use Amazon. At least you do. Maybe not me. But if you're using Amazon, please use it via us. We really need the help. It really help us out. And okay, this might be a little bit of a plead, but so what? So thank you. Hey, everybody. If you shop at Amazon.com, like I don't, but you probably do. You know how convenient it is, and you know what great deals you get always. 
If you want to support the show, and I hope you do, every time you shop at Amazon, use the Amazon link on our site to get there. You support us with every purchase. You can even bookmark it, and we really appreciate it. Unbeatable convenience, amazing prices, great shipping rates. I love Amazon.com just because they support us, and I hope you do too. So please do. Thanks, Amazon. Okay, so we just took a little break where we're going to finish the second half of our our podcast. Um, And we're going to start a a theme of uh, willpower. In social psychology, um, particularly, it's it's got a very high interest now because we're trying to get down to what actually is it. We use it all the time. We use that... It was all through history. It was all talked about, and Darwin talked about willpower and so on. So modern psychology um, is delving into it. Now, whatever we would think um, a successful person may be, there are two real, well, they may have money, they may have different things, but there are two traits that we're finding that's important. Can I take a guess at one of them? I think one's going to be um, delayed gratification. And then I also think one's going to be um, parenting, you know, who their parents are. In a big way, the parents. Big parent. Gary, he took a shot at it. Two traits of uh, what success would be. He said delayed gratification and parental Care, I guess, um, to define success. Hmm. Like, where does willpower come from? What's the? What do you? What do you think the origin of it is? Right. Um, you know, I don't know how to phrase it exactly, but but uh, that inherent like hunger um, that some people just seem to be born with—that you know—that drive and that need to to reach your full potential mm-hmm. and um, you know f- frankly a little bit of uh, a little bit of adversity a little bit of uh, a little bit of trouble along the way I feel is a is kind of something you universally see when you look at very successful people it's very it's very rare to see somebody who you know their father was a, a billionaire tycoon and they were given the keys to the castle and have since made a name for themselves and you know one generation always seems to flutter seems seems like it yeah okay um so what they came up with is um intelligence was one of the factors and self-control intelligence and self-control that's kind of a combinations now we can't do a lot with intelligence. Um, you know, there's, there's ways of working with that. But they found they know how to increase self-control. What do you mean you can't do a lot with intelligence? What, you got what you got and that's where it's going? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you're born with a kind of an intelligence, but it could, something could be added to it. So uh, if you, let's say, let's say, have a baseline IQ of 100, let's say, and then, you know, you get into school or whatever, you're saying after whatever preparation you might have, you're not going to go through the roof. You're not going to... Yeah, it sounds like there's a limit to it. 
Um, I think that's all there. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And self-control. In other words, the positive outcomes. What keeps, what makes a person, the traits that produce positive outcomes. Um, And one, so they're saying that they're seeing now that could improve self-control. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, um, So as they they begin to uh, observe in the laboratory about willpower, in other words, the the strength strength to persevere might be a good way to say that. Um, And also, what they're beginning to say now is that the thing we're calling willpower is a muscle. Mm. Um, it's like um, if you're going to the gym or working out and so on. It's kind of a muscle, and it has a biological internal part with glucose in the brain. Um, so beginning to give it a name, um, at least we'll start with that, that it's a muscle. If it's used, it gets stronger, but it also wears out. In other words, now that we can get tired, too, the glucose level starts to go down. Um, so we're beginning to understand that. And it's incidentally, it's seen early in children, children who intentionally persevere early in development, usually end up adults that do that, too. Um, so in other words, it can start very early where that muscle begins to build and is carried over into adulthood. Now, now wait, are you saying there's a, so there's a biological reaction in someone with this so-called, you're calling it willpower, right? Yeah. So endorphins release or what have you, or they stay on the straight and narrow more or... Because you had mentioned self-control being a big one. Well, you need um, to have this uh, capacity to, for continuation, uh, perseverance. You would need an energy. And that's where the biochemical part comes in. So their energy is more controlled as, to, as far as to what the outcome might be. Like, let's say, maybe somebody like me, where it might be all over the place. Yeah. There's this more focused. Right, intentional. Right. Intentional, okay. And it starts very early. They can tell early that an adulthood, this person will have that muscle, sort of. Now, the muscle could also be depleted. In other words, it could become tired. At the end of the day, and according to how we're using this willpower, it can begin to tire. And the the loss of self-control. Now, this is something we all kind of know. That's called happy hour. Uh, Right. (laughs) This is where people go to the happy hour. Um, But where it's the beginning of loss of self-control. In other words, it's beginning to peter out. You can't keep it up as much anymore. So, like the use of a muscle uh, begins to tire. Um, So they begin to note this at the very beginning. Now you said there's there's some you said at the beginning the self control part of it you can have a say in it like can you get into that a little bit like that's something you because the intelligence hey you got what you got genetically or whatever your capacity is as far as your gray matter is concerned that's what you are 
Now, let's say the willpower side of it or the, um, what did you say? See, I'm losing it already. The self-control part of it, there's things that you can do to obtain more self-control. Yeah, first place, it seems to start pretty naturally in early childhood. There are children that, um, um, I mean, they play, they do the, they play like the other kids, but they seem to have a way of um, manipulating the material. They seem to be organized and be, begin to organize in the cleanup. Uh, they seem to be much more active in what ought to be done. They're beginning to show an impulse towards intentionality and uh, um, and a perseverance to um, to make the environment workable, usable. Where a lot of kids, they just do the playing and they don't do any of the cleanup. They just it's all. I've, I, my, I have a I have a friend who has six kids, and I've been to many a preschool, and this is prevalent. You see the kids who complete the puzzle. Then you see the kid who takes the puzzle piece and wings it across the yard. Yeah. You see the kid who uses every block, along with other kids, by the way. Like, these kids congregate, the kids who get this kind of stuff done. And then the other kids are banshees running around. Mm-hmm. You'll notice a lot of that. Like, if you witness a preschool environment, especially when left to their own devices and, you know, now it's playtime, not that there's any structure around, the kids, some kids they have structure intact with yeah. them already. Mm. I've seen it. Because my friend who has six kids, th- half of them have it, that structure part, and half of them don't. Mm. By the way, boys don't have it as much, I think. That's what you observe. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but that's important, kind of what Ray is saying. There's a beginning kind of center that's beginning to form in a person that they um, they begin with their intelligence and it's kind of to see what needs to be done uh, and have the perseverance to figure it out and do it. And that's very, and there's a group, and there's all different kinds, some totally the opposite way, some a little more in between. But the group that really uses that intelligence and that, that, um, and that willpower, that self-control, maybe the curtail even their play after a while to get... Um, the organizational part done. Do it also in adulthood. And I'm, this is a lot of study. I'm just giving you kind of the headlines of it. And we're later going to go into it in a different way. So the mental energy is fueled by this glucose um, in the body through the bloodstream. We so what you're saying, glucose. sugar is good for kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's the, uh, it goes through the bloodstream, and the energy is there. But the muscle also, remember, could become fatigued. It's almost though you have to um, uh, see how you're doing in that area. That's why we can tire at the end and begin to lose some of that control. And I've learned that to come to realize that most major problems personal and social, center on the failure of self-control. That's an important one. Think of that for a moment. Most of the problems, um, personal and social, center on failure to self-control. 
Like people are, have many compulsions, impulses to violence, to acting out, failures to self-control. We know that in athletes and one of the Serena sisters or something, she had a tantrum on, court, on, on the tennis court and she hasn't been um, participating since then. Um, we see it in sports, but people lose it. You know? um, so this, this is a very destructive. We lose control of ourselves. This is in the workplace, the professional world, and, um, and we have to pay the dues for losing that control because there is this modicum of control that is needed. So that's, that's, they've, they've found out um, that's one of the most difficult to realize, the most, most major problems. Now that makes me think of the prison. When I worked in the prison, um, this group was mostly there because of that. Along the way, in their life and growing up, self-control became, began to be lost. And they didn't control. And they acted out in all kinds of ways. In fact, the money put in to people that are not, not con- able to control themselves, like prisons and so on, millions and millions of dollars. They can't build enough prisons. They build one and that's full. They have to build, build the next one. Of all these folks that are not able to... Uh, by the law of self-control. It's funny when you're when you're out there, like out in public too. You can, um, well, I, because for most of my life I've been semi out of control. But you can um, you can really sense when somebody's off or out mm. of control. You can feel them. You can smell them from a distance too. Yeah. And you go, and you'll suss it up and go, "All right, stay clear." You know, you and you won't even really be conscious of it, but yeah. you know something's wrong with yeah. someone. All right. Well, that's Gary. You, you give what, what Ray's saying now. Does that bring anything for you? You begin to see something when a person's looking out of control. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Like when you when you go to a concert or you go, yeah. let's say you go to some place where there's a, a lot of humanity, like Venice Beach or um, what's that place up in the hills, City Walk. When you're walking around and through your peripheral, and, and mm-hmm. I'm really good at this because I'm, you know, I'm good at this just because I I don't know, well, because I've I've done it with myself, but. You'll sense a group or you'll sense something. You'll go, all right, stay clear, and you'll veer. And then, you know, if you're not into it or if you don't sense it, you know, then you go to a, the convention center or whatever and, you know, karma, yep, I got pickpocketed. Yep, or this, you know what, I got rolled in downtown, you know. Like, I've never been rolled. I've never been, you know, pickpocketed. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff. That kind of weirdness is out there. And that's for people that are, you know, out of control. But I guess me being out of control makes me realize when others are and like, okay, I got to get the hell away from that. Hmm. Yeah, that's really true. What Ray's saying, you you go into any public kind of situation, a ball game, anything, movies, you begin, it catches your eye that 
when a person is not contained, that they're moving their arms or they're kind of... You can just feel them. That's it. You feel them. And you become uh, alerted that that that's what they're doing. Something's not right in their affect or in the way they're moving. They don't feel contained. That's That's a very good observation. And that's very true. We all know it. We all feel it. That there's something not right about this person. And as Ray said, you kind of want to stay away from them. That leads to trouble. Um, And it's funny because in my youth, you know, I was attracted. In my youth, I was attracted to the trouble. You know, I was Mm -hmm. attracted to, you know, let's go and stand in front of the liquor store and have some guy of age buy us liquor, you know, we're 13, 14 or whatever we are. It's the summertime, that kind of thing. And now when you're going about your business or whatever, you'll you'll see it and you'll see, oh, I know what that kid's doing. Mm. Or like, oh, <coughs> that guy just bought that guy, that kid, <coughs> kid beer. Like, that's wrong. Mm. You know, before you were, you know, hook, line and sinker into it, you were treading water in that behavior. And then sooner or later, you got a 180. And, but you still have the... You know, the chemical makeup of it's still in you, so you still feel that. You still see it around you. Yeah. You know, so then you know, okay, stay stay wide of that. All right, don't go, you know, if you're in a social setting, I'm not going to talk to that group because I know what that group is. You know, mm. and that group's out of control, and that group's like, you know, up at 5 a.m., you know, and, and you're looking at some wall, and you're in Sun Valley. You're effed. You know, you know, you know that kind of thing. Hmm. So Ray's saying you can sense it, you can touch it, you can feel it, <clears throat> and that alerts us that something's not right in this area, and we better be um, attuned and alert to the movements of that person or people. That's that's really true. That's that's kind of what we're talking about. Um. Okay, how are we doing? Okay, we're getting close here. Okay. All right, now, in the, in the, in the, they did a lot of surveys, a lot of surveys in, all over in Europe and in Germany. Um, our questionnaires had asked about self-failure. And, and, and on the questionnaire of many questions and so forth, um, a lack of self-control came up very high in it. People realized that part of what their the failures in life have been is that they were not able to contain, contain themselves. And so self-control was, was uh, penciled in. Uh, researchers concluded that people spend a, about a quarter of their working hours, okay, they, they had cell phones, had all kinds of electronic things on people where they tested them, but a quarter of their hours of their day, working hours, was resisting desire. In other words, things would come up and they would feel it and they would have to decide or resist the desire that popped up. Wait, so, but that also means 25% of the time spent at work is um, lost. Well, it's, there's some loss in it, Yeah. Um, All right, so if you work eight hours, I'm starting to dock my guys then, damn it. No, I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, you can see how much, 
you can spin your wheels a lot out there. Yeah, work, but in general, like you're, as you're walking in town, or walk, there's things coming up that uh, you're resisting. There's, there's a lot of things popping in front of us that we want and we're tempted by, and then this energy to resist, again, which we're going to cover more later, comes up. And this uh, report is saying uh, resisting desire was a lot of energy and a lot of time with people deciding whether they're going to do it or not, resisting the desire. And the most commonly resisted desire in this Beeper study was the urge to... Eat? Eat, right. Is eat? Yeah. Food. Because you know, like, when office people go to eat, how the, what a big rigmarole that is. Where do you want to go? Yeah, food's a good one. Okay, that was... That the, the study one? showed the strongest one was the urge to eat. A lot of a lot of resistive power had to go into that. And to ward off temptation, people listed various styles. Most popular of this group of what they had to do to try to resist this. Um, what do you think they used to resist Eating. these incoming stuff that's coming? Coffee. Okay. At any point, Gary, any thought about that? Something to re. What would the resisting desire? And what did they use as a style to try to to resist? Lashing. Lashing. <laughs> Actually, <no. laughs> I like Ray's answer. Lashing. It's a good Lashing. one. Now, what's your guess? Uh, you know, I don't know. I maybe. Uh, what do you do if you want? If you say, "Hey, I can't eat that," what do you do? Uh, if you're tempted to do something, what do you? What goes in your head? I just, I, you know, m- more often than not, I just give in and do it. <laughs> if I'm honest. Okay. Uh, Gum. There's got to be. It's got to be an oral something, right? It's no? not just for food. Oh. Um, uh, what what uh, what they come up with? People found distractions. Distractions. They have moved away from it. They looked. They found different kinds of things to avoid. They, they, they distracted themselves. They're constantly looking for distractions. They were pretty good at avoiding sleep, even sex, and even spending money. But the worst was, ah, here's the one that we'll end on. The thing they had the most trouble with, they... Had trouble with some other things, but the leader, the highest on the questionnaire, was. Anybody want to take a shot? Give it. The lore of t- television and the web. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> that was the biggest one of all. Well, we all know that one, right? The web and television. Anyway, today we just wow. begun. Um, Scratch the surface, and we're seeing that um, that we're coming down to this muscle, which we're going to get into, and later even have some um, ideas of how to use it. Um, so the more time you spend watching TV or on the computer, the, you're probably, the stupider you are. The stupider you are? Yeah, <laughs> obviously, right? Um, well, I mean, that, that's the hypnotic, that's the trance yeah, of the Yeah, the trance all. of the, yeah. The lore of television and the web, people who are on the web. 
Hey, you ever watch the people that like walk and text and do all that? They walk now and text yeah. and have earbuds in. Philadelphia just made that illegal. That's smart. Because you can get hit by a car. People walk Amazing. right off the curb and get hit by trucks. When I'm in New York City, I'll sometimes just like put my head up and just walk in a dead straight line and not move for anybody. And people will just run right into you texting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, just, yeah. They'll just bowl you right over. So Philadelphia made that illegal, and I thought that was a great law. That, that's a good call. A lot of other stuff should be illegal. Philadelphia, my old hometown. So it started there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so folks, let, you, uh, let us know about this. We're, we're about to embark on this road about what is willpower and self-control. And according to the questionnaires, this is, people named this as number one failure of their life of being able to contain and control themselves. So tell us what you think. You want some of that? Um, you like to get in? Well, I'm going to get into it and see if you have any questions. And wh- how's your willpower, your self-control? Do you have problems with it? Um, anyway, well, we'll get Uh-oh. into that. <laughs> well, Somebody better write in about that. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll begin. Make the Here we go. Feel good. One. Here we go. One, two, three. Okay, folks, you hear our theme coming up now. And today we we kind of put some of the finishing touches of uh, of, um, of love. Uh, love. And we went through the four elements of um, Zen Buddhism. So uh, let us know about that, what you think about that. And also we, we worked about getting into the moment. How did you like that? Did you find that of any interest? And if you did, tell us what you're, what you're going through. We want to hear your questions. We want to hear your comments. It doesn't have to be a question. So let questions us know. Questions are good, though, too. Questions are good, too. Of course, we will answer them right on the air the best, the best we can. Um, and then we ended up with willpower. Um, and that we just scratched the surface of that muscle and realizing that that muscle could be built up but then we're going to get into how do you build that muscle and yeah. see if that interests you and let us know about that. Okay, so we say boo, 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 fadulia, doolia, doolia, boo, boo, doo, day, go, ray, boo, 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 dabbly, 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 day. You got that part. And remember, folks, also that um, Ray's on the 63rd day of non-smoking. So we're really, he's going to be our, our poster boy with this willpower. Because it's going I'm going to try and run a mile, too, Jim. All right, he's going to run a mile, too. So we get Not like walk one, really run one. Uh, but if I die, you'll know why. Yeah, we'll know why if he dies. And then, 
Bob. See you, podcasters. Woo. One, two. I want. the show on Twitter at LLWJC or email us at Jim Carolla at Adam Carolla.com. Bye.